Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. Day to you too. Happy birthday to my mama. She's so far away in South Africa. It's been a long time since I've given her a hug. So I think of her today too. But if you're a mom or if you're a woman or a young girl, Motherhood has touched all of us, even the men, but today it is about the ladies. I would love to just invite you to stand um, because whether or not you're a mom yet, God willing, you will be. And in some way, we're all mothers. We have an influence into the lives around us. And so, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We love all your moms. You can stay standing because I want to pray the scripture over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. You can take a seat. Rod and Val send their love. They're not with us this morning, but they will be watching online. So hello, Rod and Val. Welcome you with us this morning. And um, yeah, it's a privilege to be up here today. I was just thinking, you know, there's so many women who are far more qualified than me to be sharing the word on such a special day, but I don't take it lightly. And I'm very grateful to be here. And um, when I was in the sermon last week, I was listening to Rod and I told him, I was like with bated breath thinking, oh my word, I'm going to have to go redo my whole sermon. But then he actually set me up. It was like we were like lined up on the runway and he like, he just set me up so perfectly for today. And even the word that Maria shared this morning, it's just incredible how I'm like, wow, okay, the Lord does speak to me. That is awesome. That was not just a good idea. Um, Yeah, so while I was preparing and those who have had kids in car rider lines, the Lord speaks to us in many different places. I know men often, my dad would always say the Lord spoke to him in the garden and, you know, while you're fixing things or doing things. And the Lord often speaks to me in the car rider line or doing the dishwasher or whatever. And I was saying to the Holy Spirit, this is, you need to tell me what I need to share for today. Like this is actually, I'm just the mouthpiece. This is your problem, Lord. You've got to make sure that I hear what you want me to hear. And I would get these like things in my heart that would stir. And then there was this other voice that I would hear and it would say, that's rich coming from you. Like, you sure you want to share about that? And um, so I wanted to call today, that's rich. Jokes, I'm not calling it that's rich. My husband was like, that's not a good idea. We'll call it take you at your word. So today, the sermon title is take you at your word. And I'm definitely not a master, a master at what I'm sharing. But I am submitted to the master. And um, I'm trusting that the work that he's begun in me, he'll continue. And I trust that the work that he has begun in you, he will continue. Fred and Jason and Rod and Val um, were in South Africa recently at the Church of the Nations conference. And there was a woman that I'd never heard before. Her name was Marilyn Reed, and I got to listen to it online. And she spoke about the power of vulnerability and how beautiful it is when we get to be vulnerable with those around us. And it's fun to sit in a circle and share all the good things that we've done. And that's important because testimony is so good. And we like to hear the strengths and the good things that we've done. It's important. But we really connect with people on our vulnerabilities. And so when we uncover the parts of us in a safe place, obviously, you don't want to just go and, you know, share everything with everyone. That's another sermon. But um, when we unveil the things that the Lord is still dealing with in our hearts, it creates this place where we can all say, okay, actually, God's also doing that in my life, or this is what God's doing in my life, or this is what God helped me with. Let me help you because 
I see that you're struggling with this, but this is the road that I've had. And we really connect with each other. So you can all pray for my husband because tomorrow morning, I'm going to probably wake up with a vulnerability hangover (laughs) after sharing this message with you today. Um, But yeah, I was part of a prayer group about 18 months ago. Actually, it was at Maria's house. And she asked all of us, what is the Lord saying to you in this season? And I'd, I didn't have to think for too long because he had already been putting it on my heart. And it was just two words, trust and obey. And so I shared that, that the Lord was calling me into really trusting him. And I really had that at the front of my mind. So I was thinking about it. But a month turned into two months, turned into a year. And then I got a message from someone at the turn of like the new year. And they said, hey, I was looking through my journal at all the things that we all wrote that night. And I was just remembering that you had said, trust and obey, that the Lord is really speaking to you with that. How's it going? And I was like, ah, why do you have to ask me that question? I don't like that question. Um, And I was kind of convicted. I was a lot convicted because I was still really trusting the Lord with the things that I could trust him with easily. But there were parts of me that I didn't want to go to because it's painful. And I don't want to let go of some things. I like to kind of feel like I'm in control, even if it's an illusion. It's comfortable. But there are, um, there's a scripture that I want to share with you. And so I just want to dive a little into trusting the Lord today. My dad, um, my dad would always write the birthday cards. And I have every single birthday card from when I turned a year. And I brought them with me in my bag. We, we only brought like two suitcases over with us from South Africa when we moved. And I smuggled a lot of stuff in there under my husband's eye because he was like, we can't take so much stuff. And I'm like, oh, don't worry. I'll just (laughs) sneak a few little things in there. And I bought every single birthday card. And the Bibles that my dad had always given me would always have the scripture in it. And it's one that I love. And I'm sure you all know it. You can read along with me on the screen. Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. And I've read that scripture so many times, but the Lord's really just opened up a different way of looking at some of these lines, and that's what I want to share with you today. So if you're taking notes, um, number one would be trust in the Lord. The word trust means a firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. So that's like no question. And I'm sure some of you, if you've gone through youth at your local church, this would have been the very first object lesson. But if we look at this chair, and I'm going to put it straight on, but I'll, I'll do it a little differently so you can see what I'm doing today. Um, this, stra- this chair, none of you thought before you sat down this morning, I don't know if this chair is going to hold me today. I mean, any day of the year, we've all come in here. We were actually in here on Christmas Day. We eat Christmas lunch. We come in here and we sit on these chairs. We have Thanksgiving. Maybe not after Thanksgiving. Jokes. No. We trust the chair, right? We come in. This chair was an expensive chair. We don't mess around. It's a solid chair. It's solid. We don't question the engineering of it. We don't go back and find out which, who manufactured it to see if we like, you know, we just trust the chair. It's a good chair. You sit down. It's reliable. It's sturdy. It's stable. But you know what we do? If this is the Lord and, this, and sitting in this chair is fully surrendered to him, because that would be trusting him. So we come and we go, okay, God, I fully trust you with every area of my life, every single area. 
and we come down and we grab on here. Now, I do work out a little bit, but I couldn't do this for very long this morning. So I'm going to do this so that you can see what I'm doing. Because apparently my pants are the same color as the chair. So that's what we do. We try to control ourselves. We don't fully surrender to him. So we kind of hold on and God does not control us. So he does not demand surrender. He doesn't control other people, but he gives us a spirit of control, spirit of self-control. And that's by the Holy Spirit to really choose to surrender to him. But there are some areas where we don't. So we try to control things. And when we're holding on for dear life, we think that we're surrendered, but we begin to get quite tired and shaky. And people are trying to talk to us. And you're like, oh my gosh, can you please hurry up? I'm getting tired trying to help you. And we can't reach out for a bottle of water because you're holding on with one hand. If the enemy comes, and Jenna is my little, she's going to mess with me. If the enemy comes, you try, to hold, you try to hold on. You can go harder than that. Take the opportunity to push your mother around. You try, that was good. You try to like hold on and you can't lift up your shield of faith. You can't draw your sword. You can't reach out. If we're speaking about reaching out from a position of strength. I don't feel strong when I'm holding on and bracing. But when we submit it to the Lord, we say, okay, Lord, I'm gonna trust and your reliability. I'm going to trust in the stability of who you are, that you are who you say you are. I'm going to take you at your word. My mind might not believe it yet, but that thing's being renewed, which tells me I've got to go by what the Spirit says. What is the Spirit saying? The Spirit is saying, you are who you are. You are who you say you are. Your promises are yes and amen. And so today, I'm going to sit in the chair. I'm going to rest for three seconds. And if I need to, I can pull up my shield of faith. I can draw my sword. I can grab the living water, refresh myself, encourage myself. And most important thing is I can reach out to others. But I've got a sturdy place to help people from. My arm is not weak. I'm not reaching out with a skeptical, weak arm because I'm coming from a position of strength. And so you can come mess with me again. <laughs> so when the enemy comes to mess with you, because he messes with everybody and stuff happens. It's not always the enemy. Sometimes just, you know, you have a bad day. And um, you can be released to middle school now. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and the, the word says that, you know, we will face trials of many kinds. And I think growing up, I don't know, I just thought I was going to be exempt from that. And... I was like, I felt like the Lord's favorite. You know, like when you feel like, I know God has their favorites. He loves all of us the same. But I felt like I was his favorite. And then like life begins to happen and you're like, oh, I don't think I'm your favorite anymore, you know? And um, yeah, so that's, we begin to, we want to hold on to it. But there's a holy fear. And that's also part of trust, a holy fear in the Lord. And that is when we fully surrender to him. And we can put it up on the screen. It says, what we fear determines what we worship. And what we worship determines who we trust. So what are we worshiping? John Bevere says, the holy fear of God grows in proportion to our comprehension of God's greatness, which means the opposite is also true. The less we fear God, the more his greatness is dumbed down. And so the less we fear him and the less we trust him. So what hinders the fear of the Lord? What dumbs down his greatness in our lives? What makes us trust him less in our hearts? 
And in Hebrews 3, verse 7 to 14, the writer is warning us about what happened with the Israelites. We're looking back at what happened with the Israelites and their hearts in the wilderness. It says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. On the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God but exhort one another every day. What did Rod speak about last week? Encouragement, being discouraged, and then finding encouragement. As long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. What made the Israelites lose their original confidence in the Lord? What made their hearts harden? I believe that at the root of their disbelief was discouragement, as Rod shared last week, and disappointment, which led to unbelief, which led to a hardening of their hearts, which made them kind of question God's goodness in situations, and then it made them become a little bit skeptical of him. And encouragement and exhortation keep us from discouragement. That's what that scripture is speaking about. It keeps us from getting that hardened heart, that unbelief that can creep in if we can catch it. It's not the kind of encouragement that's shallow. It's not like, come on, you can do it, like sucking you up. It's the kind that points each other back to Christ. It's looking at scripture. Who does God say he is? Sure, it might look this way right now, but what is the truth? If we believe that the Bible is true, we need to look at the word. We can't believe what our minds are thinking all the time because they're being renewed. What is our spirit saying? What is the Holy Spirit saying to us and encouraging ourselves, reaffirming who he is to us? The Lord says to us that he sets before us life and death. How many times a day do we have to choose between life and death? Many times, right? Some days more than others. Imagine if the Israelites chose life. Can you imagine the Israelites have been traveling? It's been a long, hot day. And they're all very hungry and tired and very thirsty, really thirsty. There's no water around. And I know with my family, if we're out and about and there's no stores, you left the snacks at home or the snacks have now been eaten and you're thirsty, for me, I'm like a feeler. So I like feel all that hunger and it's like my anxiety begins to rise. I'm like, oh my word, these people are getting hungry. Can you imagine having like 17 children or however, how many kids do the Israelites have a lot, right? Some of them had a lot of kids. Can you imagine now you yourself are thirsty and hungry and now all these kids are thirsty and they arrive here and there's no water. Something else has happened. Imagine instead of them grumbling and saying, oh, is God even with us? Like, did he lead us out here just to kill us? Doubting his presence with them. Instead of doing that, imagine if they went to each other and said, okay, my family, my kids, we're going to gather together. This is not looking so good right now. I know you're thirsty. I know you're hungry. I'm bordering hangry right now too. But you know what? This is a perfect opportunity for God to show us his goodness. Look how we painted the blood of the lamb over our doorposts and how God saved our sons. Look at how he let us out with a guy who could, 
who couldn't even talk properly. He didn't even believe in himself at first. God let us out. That was our exodus. And remember when we got to the Red Sea and we were like, oh my word, we're gonna die. But no, the Lord showed Moses what to do. God is speaking to Moses. He's leading us. He parted the waters. Look at how he made the bitter water sweet so we could drink it. Look at how our shoes, you guys have grown like 20 inches since we've been out here. Look at your shoes. They haven't even worn out. But no, there's no water. And immediately they're like, he let us out here to die. Our trust levels in our hearts will change if we can look to who God is and reaffirm who he is and what he has done. All the times we thought we couldn't carry on, but he held us through. We might've felt a bit bent and bruised. You might be feeling a little bit bent and bruised this morning, but he says that we will not break. He's holding us. So the first thing is to trust in the Lord with all of your heart, to take that seat and say, okay, Lord, I'm gonna take you at your word. Sit in that chair. And often that is where the death happens. <laughs> that's, the, that's the death of our flesh because the flesh wants to hold on and control and control others and try to arrange things and control our environment. God says, no, release that and sit. Sit down, take it from a place of rest. Number two, then to lean not on your own understanding. Our own perception of things is usually pretty weak and misguided, am I right? Our thoughts can often undermine the things of God. And I know that's true for me. When things are not going my way or the way that I'd like them to go, often what I'm thinking will undermine God's greatness. And so then who am I fearing? Who's my master in that moment? Romans 8 verse 5 to 6 says, For those who are living according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, which gratify the body. But those who are living according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit, His will and purpose. Now the mind of the flesh is death, both now and forever, because it pursues sin. But the mind of the Spirit is life and peace the spiritual well-being that comes from walking with God both now and forever. So our minds will be at war with God if they're separate from what the Spirit is saying. We've got to remember that our minds are being renewed. We always just want to jump down that rabbit hole where our brain is going, but, but our minds need to be renewed. And that comes from, you know, there's all these scientific um, studies on how you actually sometimes have to retrain your brain. And I've, I speak to my kids about this and I speak to myself about it. Like I said, I'm not a master of what I'm sharing today. But there are often times I actually have to speak to myself before I believe it with my brain, with my mind. I've got to speak it out as though it is until my mind begins to follow. But often we want to go down with our feelings and our emotions. And that's a heavy weight. That'll take you to the bottom of the sea. We need to ask the Lord for His perception. So, in Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7, it says, I want to read it up here with you. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And that's not a peace that comes from having your ducks in a row. That's a peace that comes 
that's supernatural, we can't understand the peace. It'll be like, this makes no sense that I've got peace right now, but I've got peace. There can be moments when we can question God. Like, God, are you really with me? Moses took his time up on that mountain and instead of the Israelites saying, wow, this is gonna be good. Like God's called him up onto the mountain. Can you imagine what he's gonna come back with us to us with? Like God is literally, God could be speaking to him right now. Imagine saying to your kids, oh my word, Moses is up the mountain. We're calling a prayer meeting. We're gonna pray for him. God, strengthen him for what you're gonna deliver to him so he can bring it back and give it to us. This is gonna be life-giving um, word from God. But no, they're like, Moses went up the mountain. He's taking his sweet time. Is God even real? Nope. Ladies, bring your jewels. We're going to make a calf, a calf. <laughs> Except back in that day, I had this mental image going to bed the other night. <laughs> I imagined them trying to make this calf. There's like no experts out there to my knowledge. Maybe they were like, maybe, I'm, maybe they'd be unimpressed with me saying this, but can you imagine? They have like no molds to make a calf. So they're like molding this calf. Can you imagine what that thing looked like? <laughs> it's like made of gold. And it'd be like sitting there, like looking at them. Like, and they're like, let's worship this calf. It brought us out of Egypt and into our promised land. But no, this thing is like this funny little calf and it has no ears. It's got no spread. It's got no feelings. But that calf, they began to say, that was the calf that brought us out of Egypt. How dumbed down was God's greatness in their hearts? to get to that point. And then I think of my life and the deep holes that I've dug in situations. And I've sat in that hole and believed a lot of lies about who God is and his greatness and his ability to turn things for our good. I can laugh at that little calf, calf. But I've made some idols in my life too. How about the disciples? They've literally walked with Jesus. You know how many times I've said like, Jesus, I just need you in the flesh. I just want you to be here, right in the flesh with me, please. It would be so helpful right now. <laughs> they literally had him in the flesh. Like he was caring for their needs day by day. He was walking with them, doing incredible miracles. They were seeing all these abundant things that he was doing. And then they get on this boat and they head out into the lake and a big storm comes and Jesus falls asleep. And instead of them taking up their authority and saying, hey, Jesus says we've got authority too. No, they're like, Jesus is asleep. He doesn't care, we're gonna die. We're all gonna die on this boat, out on the lake. My mom's cooking supper at home. She's not gonna know where I am. And here I am, I'm gonna die. And that's the place that, we, that's the place that they got to. How many times have we had to wait for God to open a door for us? Sometimes other people get released before us. That's a true test of our hearts. And we've sat around many dinner tables with people here, people in Chicago, people in South Africa. And we've heard incredible stories of how people have brought their requests before God. They've prayed and sought after God and they've seen incredible miracles. God's goodness time and time again. But there are also plenty of stories of where we're still trusting God for breakthrough. Persistence, persistence, persistence. Fred spoke about that in his sermon about how we need to have persistence in prayer. And when things are going well, we don't need persistence because it's going well. 
We need that persistence to kick in when it's not going so well, when things are not going according to our time frame. And I remember praying, this is a, just a story of our lives where, where God did a lot in our hearts. We, we really felt called to America and we were, we'd been married for a few years and it was first on Fred's heart and then God put it onto my heart and we actually came over. We were blessed with money and we came over to the States to just put our feet on the land and see what God was saying. And we just felt so stirred up. There were people that came to us who said, you know, we know you're just here to visit, but I really feel like God's calling you to this nation and you're gonna be here within a year. You should be careful when, when those dates start coming into prophetic words because it was a year in the end, but it wasn't a year from when we were there. It was a year that it took for our visas. So they had the year right, but we just took it like we wanted to hear it. And so we left America. I mean, I was crying. I was like, oh my word, God. We had this word. Someone said, you're sitting on a volcano. God is about to erupt you into your destiny. I was like, we're coming, America. Like we're just going home to pack our bags. And we came back to South Africa and I was pregnant with Jenna. And I was like, I felt we felt so expectant. And you know what happened? Nothing. Nothing happened. For I didn't get the job that we thought would lead us into America. I was pregnant, I had to keep working. We were still just volunteering at church. Nothing happened. I had my first kid, I had to go back to work really early, a few weeks because of the job that I was doing, no work, no pay. And my second son was born and people were being released. People were even moving to America. We were like, what? We were like, God, we are here. We are ready. Use us, send us. Like, we'll go, we'll leave everything behind. We'll, we'll go, we're so keen. And still just felt like this blanket had been put over us. And six years in hindsight doesn't sound that long, but it's a really long time when you're waiting and waiting. And um, I didn't want to work. I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. And so there was a little bit of this feeling inside of me where I was like, God, we're wanting to do your work. Like, here we are. Like, you know, we, we said that you could send us. And there was a bit of an entitlement that came into my heart, to be completely honest and open and very vulnerable. I was entitled in my heart. And I thought, Lord, like I've served you my whole life. And you say that you give us the desires of our hearts. And this is hard. I'm struggling, struggling to see clients and got two babies and my, and my one um, child had terrible colic and, you know, lack of sleep. It doesn't help you at all. <laughs> Those of you who've had a kid with colic, you know the challenge. And so um, I got really disappointed and I stopped reaching out to the Lord with certain things in confidence and in trust with a strong arm. My arm was misguided and weak and skeptical. My heart became skeptical of the Lord's goodness. And I, I struggled to trust him because I kind of felt like he was teasing us a little bit. And so... My husband, I had a, we had like many honest conversations and we did some sleep training after a while with some help and sleep helps a lot of things. And we also just began to realize, you know what? We had to lay it down. There was a death. I was trying to explain, you know, you try to explain to your kids why a seed has to die before it gets planted in the ground, before it can bring life. And we had to let that thing die. So there was a death that happened here. We had to let go. We had to give that back to the Lord and say, okay, God, if we have to volunteer for the rest of our lives and work our jobs and, do, and be right here and not, and not ever land up in America, then that's okay. But you can use us, however that looks. And that's when the door opened. But we couldn't fake that in our hearts. 
We had laid that thing down so many times before. It was only when it was a real heart work where we could say to the Lord, really, really you can use us. We don't hope in our hopes. We hope in the Lord. We don't trust in what man thinks of us because all of that control that's happening when you're trying to manage your future you're trying to control how people perceive you because oh, they've got to see me this way. Otherwise, this door's not going to open and I've got to control this and I've got to control that. And we don't fully trust that the Lord is opening doors for us. He's the one. And when he opens a door, no man can shut that door. You don't want a door that you've bashed down. And sometimes we're leaning up against those doors and actually we need to take a seat. And you know what God did in our hearts in that season is so much more valuable than what he could have ever done if those doors were open to us right away. I became a much better friend to moms who were struggling, trying to balance it all and not, not enough sleep. We could sit around dinner tables and encourage young couples or young parents in their marriages who are having a hard time. We could understand where people were at when they felt like, does God see me in this season? Am I being left behind? Does he, is he still going to make a plan for my life? And I became a team player where before I had that entitlement, I now became, wow, God, thank you for your provision. Thank you that I get to be a team player in this family, in this season, however that looks. And then I know Fred shared this a while ago, but we were waiting for our visa. So the Lord had opened the door and that that person who had said, you know, you'd be here within a year, that was correct because it was actually exactly a year from when we got the call to when our visas were approved to move to the States. But it was about three months and we didn't know the timing of when that visa would be released, which is another fun game. Um, we, I got Bell's palsy. I got uh, caught a virus and the side effect was Bell's palsy, which is when you become completely paralyzed in one side of your face. Now, we were being called to a new church. I was going to be the kids' church pastor. We were going to be involved in worship and teaching like we were sharing. We did alpha courses and many different things. And now I have half a face. <laughs> like, so we're at our church back home, and I'm no longer in the worship team. I couldn't help out at the kids' church because the more you speak and the more animated you are, the less people understand you. And so I had to become really quiet um, and just like very subdued and I definitely dug a hole for the first few days. I will not tell a lie. I definitely jumped in that hole and was like, okay, God, this is, wow, thanks. Like, not sure how this is part of this plan. But Fred said, you know what? Either this is going to take you out or God is going to use this for good. And maybe this is going to give you a louder voice because I didn't know if I was going to get better or not. And so very quickly, I had to come to that place where I said, okay, Lord, this is not a surprise from you that this happened. You don't delight in seeing me struggle. But how beautiful that you trust my heart with this. This came, it's not nice, but you trust me. And this side of earth, I get to worship you with half of my face in struggling. And in my struggle, I get to lay that down and worship you this side of heaven. That's something that I won't have to do in heaven because there will be no sickness and no suffering there. And the depth of our faith and our trust in the Lord is so precious to him. He doesn't waste anything. He uses all of these parts of our story to encourage. And you know, I was just thinking now, we were at a funeral once here in Coastal, 
and it was a memorial service and somebody came in and she had Bell's palsy. And I had not seen someone with Bell's palsy since all those years ago. And I could hold her face and I cried knowing exactly what she was going through. And I could pray with her. And it meant so much to her that someone else had been in that position before. And God doesn't waste any of it. This side, we are family, guys. God uses us to encourage and exhort and to say, hey, I know this place that you're in right now. It's terrible. I've been there. But look at what God did with me. Look at what he did with the Israelites. Look at what he's done with the disciples. Look at all these stories of how God turned things for good. He won't waste any of it. We are not just fair-weather Christians. We need to encourage ourselves in the, in the Lord, like the psalm speaks about. So this brings me to the next point of number three. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And this, we think acknowledge means like Gina comes through the door and I'm like, hello, Gina. I see you there in this part of my life. Welcome. It's actually an experiential way. It's an intimate and experiential way of knowing God. This is not just the intimacy of like, okay, God, into me you see. So God sees into me. God, I'm all laid open. You can see every part of me. I invite you into area, every area of my life. This is also us seeing into his heart. Because intimate, it's not just a one-way thing. It has to all be open. And so we've got to see the Lord as well. We've got to have the mind of Christ and have his perception, like I was speaking about earlier. And so if we don't know God in every area of our life, that's when we begin to reach out with a weak arm. And so what are the areas of our lives? We've got family life, we've got our finances, our job, we've got friendships, we've got church life, your gifting, all of these things, our future. And, and sometimes we can have areas of maturity. And in those areas, when something goes down, you know how to weather that storm and you reach out with a very strong and confident arm. Like, with Fred and I, we've come to know God as Jehovah Jireh. We have seen God work in the most incredible ways with provision. Um, and that's because I was working when my kids were really small and God was working those things out in my heart to really trust him and build that good history with him. And so there were times when I would wake up and my kids would be sick. And before I even had to call a client, they would have rescheduled for the next day. There were times when we had an extra bill that needed to be paid and I would have no clients booked for the day. And Fred would do all the big ticket items, but if there were any little surprises and things like that, then we always saw how God used my business to kind of help to cover that. And so there were times when I, I would have a, a, there would be a surprise bill that needed to be paid. And I would have had no clients booked for that day, and someone would call me up, and they would say, hey, Denise, I'm in town. Any chance you have any openings? And I was saying earlier, I would like remain really calm on the phone and say, hi there, welcome to town. Yes, what time would you like to come in? And inside I'm like, oh my word, oh my word. God, you're so real. You see me. Thank you. We're going to be fine. And um, in Chicago, we had, uh, my daughter needed to go to the dentist. And so we were like, okay, Lord, she needs to go to the dentist. Can you please provide the money that we need, because who knows what the dentist is going to cost in America. And um, we prayed, and the next day, this envelope arrived in the mail with our address, no return address, and it just said, thank you. And we hadn't even taken her to the dentist yet, so to be honest, I didn't know what it was going to cost. So Fred said, well, by faith, take her to the dentist. This is the money for the dentist. So I took her to appointments, and she had to have two appointments, because she had to have a tooth, um, a baby tooth removed, 
And when they gave me the bill, it was exactly the amount that was in the envelope. Isn't that incredible? How God, like with Elijah and the ravens, like God sent the provision ahead of us even. He didn't, I didn't even know what we needed yet. And he had already provided that. Um, those of you who know the story of how we got to get our house here, that was a miracle. They, and then it doesn't mean that, that things don't happen, but we, you learn to weather those storms. You might fall in a ditch for a few hours or a few days, but you know, hey, look at what God did before. And that's the place that we go to. And we've been able to journey that out with our kids and show them, look at how God provides. There's amazing stories of how Fred drew Jenna aside and said we had to sell this old car and we saw how God just did miracles in that way. Knowing God. But the thing is, when we fear something, it gives room for us to take our fear off of the Lord and put it onto something else. And I know in the word it speaks about not having two masters and it's referring to money, but I think it can be true for anything that you can't have two masters, masters. You will either love one and hate one, or you will cling to one and despise the other. So who's our master? Sometimes even with our kids, and this is, this is something so beautiful that the Lord can reveal to us, because you might have one child that you're kind of similar to, so you already get them. You know how do you. I know how to play with you. I know how to bring out the best in you. I know exactly how you're feeling right now. I know how to, you know, this is, this is amazing. And then you might have a child that's different to you. And we need the creativity of the Lord. We need to acknowledge God in that area. Know that God, he is the expression of himself through that child because we're made in his image. And to say, Lord, you've given me this gift. You've given me this person in my life. Can you give me the wisdom? I want to know you in this area. Give me the mind of Christ. Help me to draw out what needs to be drawn out. Help me to appreciate what you've given me in this person. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And so there might be areas where, like I was speaking with the money, like Jehovah Jireh, like I know the Lord and I can have a lot of faith with people for, for provision. But sometimes there are areas that we do a nosedive with. And those are the areas that we need to acknowledge God. And I can, you know, when it comes to family, I can live in a bit of fear because I've got friends who've, you know, they've lost their kids or they've lost their parents. My parents live a far way away. I always wanted to, I always wanted to look after them in their old age. And here I am, like on the other side of the earth, you know, those are hard things to lay down on that chair. It's hard. No one can tell you, oh, this is never going to happen. But yet we have to surrender our flesh. We've got to say, God, I trust you at your word. I'll take you at your word. You're a good God. And I might not know what the future holds, but I know that you're going to be good. It's not going to change. This, nothing changes God's goodness. Fred has told me the story before of how a woman, something terrible happened to her daughter and she was coming out of the hospital and the Lord said to her, this doesn't change who I am. Bad things happen. The word says we will face trials of many kinds. We are not exempt from it. But do not lose heart. Don't worry. He's already overcome the world. We want perfect peace. We want to, you know, we tell the Lord, thank you for what you've done. I see these victories in these people's lives. We can encourage each other. We can look at the word. We can tell them what we need. But that perfect peace Sometimes we want perfect peace without the death. 
We want to just, okay, Lord, I want to kind of just cling on here, please. Bring me the perfect peace. Thanks. But we have to surrender. We have to say, thank you, Lord, for what you've done. I might not see it yet, but I know that you're working. This might have taken years and years. You might have been praying for some things for years and not seen the not seeing the good that's come out of it just yet. But we cling to the Lord. We don't give up. We persevere. And we have grace. Like Jason was speaking about that grace. It's not there prematurely. It's there in season. It doesn't always make it easier. In fact, sometimes it just gives you that. The strength that you need to walk through what you're walking through. Don't give up. Fourth point and final point. He will direct your paths. Don't be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. And somehow that sounds different now after I've spoken about acknowledging him when we know him in areas of our lives. We can trust him with our future. And that was from Corey Ten Boom. Then um, in Jeremiah 25, 29 verse 11, in the Amplified, it says, For I know the plans and thoughts I have for you. He knows the plans and thoughts that he has for us, says the Lord. They're plans for peace and well-being and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And that can be hard. Like, I mean, I shared about my life. That's nothing compared to some of the stories that you guys have walked through. Nothing. Com- we have friends back home who have gone through the most horrendous time. Lost her dad. Her mom is struggling. She was um, battling cancer this last year. Then her husband was in a motorbike accident and ended up paralyzed. And it didn't end there. He ended up getting a pressure sore, landed up back in hospital. And they've given their lives to serve the Lord. And we can ask those questions like, why is this happening? Let's be real. We're not like, oh, you know, everything's fine. No, it's like, wow, that's a lot to go through. But it doesn't change who God is. And and he works it all so beautifully because our faith is so important to him. And I remember watching just one of the, seri- one of the um, seri- uh, episodes in The Chosen where Jesus is speaking to Andrew. And Andrew's like, Lord, like you say I must go out and I can perform all these miracles. But like my leg, it's not healed yet. And Jesus says to him, it's so beautiful when we can see miracles. And no doubt God is going to get so much glory from all of those amazing miracles. But how beautiful is it that you can do all of those things in my name and still chase after my heart and still give me the glory and still trust me despite that. So I'll just stole that from the chosen. But So what is the path of the direction of the Lord? It leads into our inheritance. It takes us to breakthrough. We can choose the path of trying to control things and having a skeptical heart and living with that, but serving our flesh only serves us for so long. We can choose to have the mind of Christ. I'm sure there were many times, in fact, I know that there were times that the Israelites wanted to return to their slavery because living by faith is hard. Sometimes it's easier just to live by slavery because you know your rations are there. You might be hungry all the time and tired, but it's predictable but don't we want to live that life of knowing God in every area, seeing the goodness of God, waiting for him, not growing weary, encouraging each other in what the Lord is capable of doing. His arm is not too short to save. 
And so instead of reaching out with, with this weak arm in our, in our lives, we can reach out with a confident arm. And so Jeremiah 17, verse seven to eight says, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the streams. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green and it has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. I would love to bear fruit in every season of my life. I would love, I would love it when I feel bent. What comes out is good fruit. And the areas where the fruit is not great, I need more of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the one that helps us to produce that fruit. That doesn't come from our trying and our striving. It comes from resting in the Lord. And so this morning, I wanted to give an opportunity to those who've maybe never had the opportunity or chosen to sit on that chair. And I'm going to give room for all of us to be able to just release and surrender to the Lord again. But right now, there are some who have not invited Jesus into our hearts and God wants us to invite him in. He says, he, he stands at the door and knocks. We have the self-control. We are in control of that door. We get to open it or to shut it, keep it closed. But this morning, I want to give you the opportunity to open that door and invite him in. And maybe it's a difficult concept for you because maybe your dad wasn't a very loving father. And so the idea of having another father who's even more powerful is not a great idea. But the Lord wants us to take the face of man off of God this morning and see him for who he really is, that he's great. And for us to have a fear of the Lord, to surrender to him today. And God adopts us into his family. And I've had friends who've adopted kids. And it's such a beautiful process. It's so deliberate. It's a choice to adopt that child in. And God says that he loved us before we even loved him, before we even knew him, he loved us. And so if we could all just bow our heads together now, we can all pray this together to encourage those who are maybe praying this for the very first time. So, dear Father, I've lived my own way for far too long. But today I want to surrender to you. I invite you into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. Please forgive me for all the wrong things I've done and walk with me now as your child. Amen. And then I just wanna give an opportunity to all of us to maybe take a seat. Maybe there are areas where you're confident and you're kind of half seated on there but there's an area where you're like, I don't know, I kind of just want to control that still, please, for a little bit longer. But God's like, no, I think we're done with that now. I think we're done. Let's lay it down this morning. And I know, for me, I wish this was a message. I was telling Sarah beforehand, I wish this was a message that I could just say, yep, I've done that, completed, I can deliver it, done and sealed. No, this is going to be something that, that I'm going to have to keep working at in those areas of my lives, in my, in my life, where I've struggled to fully trust the Lord. I don't wanna have a skeptical heart of the Lord in any area. I don't wanna reach out to Him and pray weak prayers because at the bottom of my heart, I don't fully trust Him. So what I'd like to do is, I'm gonna bring this chair forward and 
We're going to all stand together. And I'm going to pray over us. And then as you feel, just lay those things before the Lord and take a seat in Him. But then I want to do something different. I want you to take a stand again because this requires authority because the enemy is going to tell you that's rich coming from you. But we're going to send him where he came from this morning. (laughs) So we're going to take a seat and then we're going to stand up in the authority that he's given us and go out in strength and confidence. Whether our minds want to believe it or not, we're going to trust him to renew our minds and walk in the authority as his children this morning. So Lord, I just thank you, God, that you're a good father. Thank you, Lord, that your arm is not too short to save. Thank you, God, that when it might feel like you are not working or you're not moving, that you're always on the move. Thank you that your word says that you never leave us and you never forsake us. You never turn your back on us, God. Even if we turn our back on you, you never do that, Lord. You're always faithful. Thank you for your goodness towards us, God. Thank you that... Your heart is kind. Thank you that we can walk in your authority. And so this morning, God, we wanna lay down that flesh, Lord. We wanna lay our families at your feet, Father. Those of you who are trusting for children to come back, those of you who have wounded hearts from losing a loved one, those of you who've been trusting for breakthrough for years and years and years and you've gotten weary God, would you come and renew our strength today, Father? Renew our hope in you, God. Would you, would you renew that original confidence in our God, that original confidence, Lord, that we would cling to you, that we would love you, God? And so right now, just I take a seat, Father. We take a seat in you, God. Take a seat. The reliability, the stability in who you are. You are who you say you are. We can take you at your word. Give us the strength that we need. Give us the grace that we need in these areas of our lives that we may acknowledge you, God. And now I wanna invite you to stand. We stand this morning, God, in the authority that you've given us, that no weapon that is formed against us shall prosper, and every accusation that the enemy speaks against us, you will silence in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that you've made us more than conquerors, that we can trust you, we can go out with a strong arm, we can reach out to those around us in strength and in confidence, God. And where we are weak, pray that you would send others to help us, God, who have gone before where you've created good history. Send those helpers, Lord, to lift us up and encourage and exhort, Father, in the name of Jesus. I pray that you bless each mom here, bless each dad, bless each boy and girl, Father. And I pray that we would go out this week and that you would continue the good work inside of our hearts, Lord. If you need prayer this morning, Don't go without getting prayer. If you need encouragement and exhortation and you need to just feel like someone has stood with you today, then I wanna encourage you. We've got people who will stand with you and pray. I'm here, I will pray. So come to the front. Let's not go home today without meeting with your father in heaven. Thank you. But if you, I I wanna release the rest of you. Don't go just yet. Rod always says, don't go until you've said hello to 10 people. So (laughs) nothing less than 10.